Well, Elizabeth, that's a great question, and you're certainly not alone. Um, in fact, this is totally fresh for us in that my under-14 team just lost in eight rounds of penalty kicks last weekend, so we, we know how it feels. Um, I think the idea is to try to go in prepared and to have a routine, and I like the expression that um, luck favors the prepared. Hello, everyone. That was Dr. Lynn Pantusco-Hench, an incredibly talented college professor, youth soccer coach, and sports psychology consultant, talking about one of the most intense moments in sports, the penalty kick. And I'm Julianne Dietz, and I want to welcome you to the She Dreams and Goals podcast, where soccer dreams come alive and goals are just the beginning. This podcast is all about empowering girls to use their passion for soccer as fuel for on-field success and a lifetime of wellness. In each episode, we'll talk to stars from the NWSL, health experts, and performance coaches to unlock their secrets to success and discover what it takes to be the healthiest soccer players and people we can be. In this episode, we're talking to Lynn, who likes to describe herself as just a highly qualified soccer mom, but as I've already mentioned, she's a college professor, youth soccer coach, and sports psychology consultant, and that's just scratching the surface of her many accomplishments. She's also a researcher, writer, former D1 soccer player, and yes, a highly qualified soccer mom. Needless to say, she understands soccer from just about every angle there is, and today we are very lucky to have her here to talk about the mental side of the game, how it impacts performance, and why your mental practice is as important as your foot skills if you want to perform at your best. As a fellow mental health professional, I may be a little bit biased, but I thought this episode was absolutely fantastic. But you don't have to take my word for it. Elizabeth, what do you think? I really loved this episode. Lynn was so much fun to talk to. I loved her advice on penalty kicks, and I'm so excited to practice some of the mental skills she talked about. All right, so whether you still pack a soccer bag full of shin guards and a ball, or the weekly carpool full of fierce young female soccer players, I hope you'll join us each week to explore how we can achieve our dreams both on and off the field. Elizabeth, kick us off. Welcome to the She Dreams and Goals podcast. So first off, Lynn, thank you so much for being here today. Um, I've been so excited for this episode because I just think the mental side of the game is so important. And knowing you and being familiar with your work, I know you have so much great insight to share. And I'm just really excited for our audience to have the opportunity to learn from all your experience. Thank you for having me. This is such an exciting opportunity to connect with young soccer players and introduce the idea of sports psychology as something that we can all do a little bit at a time to become um, the most successful versions of ourselves. And I just am so grateful for this podcast because I think it fills a need and targets an audience that can really learn so much. And so what a great opportunity for all of us to be able to share some things we wish we knew when we were younger. And you are just an awesome role model um, for the young uh, women that we have an opportunity to work with. Well, thank you, Lynn. Um, That's so kind of you to say. And, you know, raising my own soccer-loving daughter, I just felt like there was this gap in terms of positive soccer-focused content for younger age groups. I know there's great platforms out there for, you know, middle teenagers, college players, and even adults, but I felt strongly that with the right guidance and practice, more young players can reach those later stages in great physical, but probably even more important, mental and emotional shape. And, you know, for even for me, I think mental training was one area that I was really 
really lacking as a young player. You know, I was fast. I had two good feet. I could most of the time finish, but I often struggled with confidence and definitely with consistency. And I think it was something that my, you know, my parents and coaches uh, were frustrated with. They weren't frustrated with me necessarily, but they were more frustrated for me because in my early youth days, I sometimes really struggled to bring my best self to the field as consistently as I would have hoped. Um, So with that, could you maybe begin by telling us a little bit about what mental performance is and what the mental side of the game is? Sure. Many professional and former collegiate soccer players have had similar experiences. And I think one of the best parts of this podcast is we do have this opportunity to take these things that we've learned through our our athletic and professional careers and share them with young soccer players. And so I think one of the primary messages uh, we'd like to send is that if we start young and learn about sports psychology and mental skills, that we can build strategies and skills and solutions. And so that as we get older as players, we're going to be even better prepared than, of course, the generation before us. Yeah, I totally agree. And one of the things I really like about your approach is your view on the relationship between traditional soccer practices, like working on passing and shooting and working on the mental side of the game. Could you talk a little bit about that? So I think one of the awesome parts about being soccer players is that many of us are connected to being parts of teams. And one of the valuable things about being a part of a team is that any one person might be off and that we have our teammates to support us and pick us up and fill those gaps and maybe play even better on a day where we're maybe not at our best selves. But as you mentioned in your own example, part of what we want to do is learn to be consistent and perform at our best regardless of the conditions. And I think the more we start to look at mental skills as being something we need to learn and practice just like we do our physical skills, I think the more that young players will begin to learn and understand these concepts. And so when you're young, the idea is to make learning a mental skill, something fun and engaging, and then connect it right back to that soccer experience. So young players can practice this on a daily basis. And before they know it, their mental skills are going to be part of their routine and how they are as players, um, just like any of those physical skills. So that same amount of time you put into working on your dribbling moves or developing your left foot, if we put a similar amount of time into developing our mental skills, I think you'll feel prepared and ready and it's just going to make playing that much more exciting. So I think that's great. And what I really want to do is reiterate what I hear you saying. So for our listeners, when we talk about mental skills, we're talking about things like having confidence, you know, believing in yourself, even when things aren't going as well as you'd like, having the ability to settle your nerves before and sometimes even during the game. And as Racing Louisville's assistant coach Bevyana said a few episodes ago, having a growth mindset. And I think the key message that you're saying is that we should be practicing these things throughout our entire soccer journey. In other words, like, They are as much of a part of our game as shooting, dribbling, and passing. And actually, a lot of times when the ball is just bouncing off our shins or our shot is a little off, it has more to do with where we are mentally and how well we are able to recover from those little mistakes. Now, a little bit later in the podcast, we'll give some practical examples of things that we can use and practice. But before we get there, I was wondering your thoughts about the right age to start working on some of these mental skills. Well, I think the idea is to not discount what kids are capable of. I think they're often capable of even more than we expect. I think one of my entry points when I work with teams is to maybe not jump fully into a mental skill, but to maybe start with some things that are team building and work in some communication and collaboration. I often like to set up a challenge or a problem and then let the team figure it out together. So within that, they're learning a host of interpersonal skills, just how we talk to each other, how we listen, how we work, how do we respond when it gets tough? 
And then we take those examples and relate it to what happens on the field. See how we got through this challenge together? Well, hey, let's get through the same kind of challenge on a soccer field together. So that's where I sort of start with, let's say, uh, as young as seven and eight and nine-year-olds. I think when you get to be about nine years old, um, give or take, depending on on the the child in the group, we could start to get into some mental skills depending on what we choose to do first. I don't think it's ever too young to work on building confidence and being a good teammate and um, learning to help ourselves relax when we feel like we're under some stress or pressure. So I think if we ease in and try to pair the skill that we're working on with the needs that are in front of us and just keep kind of checking in to make sure we're doing it in like small bits over time. I think after a while, it's all going to add up to something much bigger. You know, as I listen to you talk, there are two things that really come to mind for me. The first is that this idea that players at all levels of the game make mistakes. You know, actually, one thing that I've been having my kids do when we watch professional games, whether it's in person or on TV, is not just look for the great plays, but to also see if they can spot mistakes on the field. Um, And then also watch how those players react. And I think this is important because it really reinforces in their minds that mistakes happen, even to the best, most elite players in the world. And then they can try to remember that the next time they make a mistake in a game, that it's okay, it happens. Because even players like Alex Morgan or Lindsey Horan, right, they miss shots, they turn the ball over, but it's really how they react and more importantly, how they move on from those mistakes that make them the great players that they are. And the second thing is really important to notice, and that is that they weren't born like that. Alex Morgan, Lindsey Horan, they learned how to handle mistakes and disappointments. Sure, some of us are definitely naturally more confident or easy, you know, easygoing, but everyone needs training to be able to stay calm under, you know, intense pressure. And I've always used this analogy that building skills like resilience is like learning how to swim, right? We don't teach babies to swim in the ocean during a storm. You've probably heard me say that before. We start in a shallow pool and we gradually work our way through deeper water and more difficult conditions until we eventually were ready to, you know, just get out there and play in the waves. But when I talked to you about the analogy, you added a little clarity about challenge that I think is really important. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yes. So similarly, I think my approach relates in that I really believe in building good habits over time. I think we start simple and build to more complex and really start when kids are young and that way they can really grow with their mental skill set to complement their soccer skill set. Um, I think one of the things we can do as coaches and parents and even as players is challenge ourselves in the way in which we learn and practice skills. So to use your pool analogy, I think that we need to create a practice environment that looks a little bit more like the ocean and a little bit less like the pool. So what we want to do is practice learning and using our skills in situations that seem really realistic. It doesn't make sense to practice something when it's too easy, because then when the challenge is higher or the game is more important, um, we might not be ready to use that skill in a more rigorous situation. And so I encourage both athletes when they're creating ways to practice in the yard or play pickup soccer or with their teams to try to make the intensity of the training realistic. We can use time, we can use space, and we can use scorekeeping sometimes to just keep things competitive. That way, when we implement a mental skill, we're using it in a moment that seems a little bit more game-like. So it's a little bit more than we want to um, practice how we want to play, but that's sort of the beginning to that thought. 
Yeah, I really like that. And I'm, I'm actually going to change the way I use my analogy in the future to make sure to be clear that it's not really about avoiding challenge because life like the game of soccer comes with challenges. It's really about integrating challenge into your practice routine and creating a practice environment where you can have some success, but also learn to perform when it gets difficult. And that actually reminds me, um, I've heard you talk about another angle to practicing mental skills like resilience and confidence building that I'm hoping you can talk about. And then we'll move on to a few examples our listeners can try. Can you talk about consistent practice over time versus intense practice in short periods of time? Sure. If you think about it, you would not do all of your practicing for an event the night before. Similarly, how were you studying, right? You don't want to do all of your studying and cram it all in the night before. You want to spread it over weeks and days and times. So if we approach our mental skills like that too, and we just do a little bit over time and it becomes part of our routine and part of how we want to develop as an athlete, again, I think we'll develop a series of skills and then those things will become like automatic. We won't have to think about them so much because they really become part of who we are as a player. And that's sort of one of the the end goals for sports psychology work is to develop all of these skills and abilities and strategies so that it's part of who we are. And so that someday when your listeners are hopefully playing in college or even the professional ranks, they will say they started this when they were young and that over time they built the skills that have helped them be successful. That's an important point. In my counseling work, I've been learning a lot about the benefits of mindfulness and really calming down your nervous system. And one of the things I've learned is that they can be great tools to help you deal with things like stress, but they're really hard to suddenly apply in a difficult situation if you haven't practiced them before. So it's really important to practice these strategies when times are good so that they are skills you already have when you need them. And to bring it back to soccer, it can be really difficult to calm yourself down in a game when things aren't going well, right? If you miss an easy shot or you give up a goal, um, it can be really challenging. But there are techniques that can help you quickly move on from these type of mistakes with self-belief and confidence. You just need to learn them and then practice them over time so that they're as much of a part of your skill set as like your best move. Um, And to that end, Lynn, do you have any ideas for how our listeners can start to explore and build these type of skills? So there are so many mental skills that we can learn and we can talk about and we might talk about things like positive self-talk or imagery or goal setting or relaxation techniques, just to name a few. And I look forward to some future podcasts where we could dig deep in some of those topics and share some more activity ideas. What I've put together for your listeners and for the other soccer players that I work with for this summer is a summer sports psychology sort of skills menu. Um, it's a guide that has a few different categories where ideally soccer players can pick and choose what they might like to do. And there's some activity ideas, some podcast links, some videos to watch, and some other ideas for things to do that can then be just part of the many fun things you get to do over the summer. And so you can work on sort of enhancing your performance and how can you, you know, go into your fall season better prepared. So it's just another piece that you can add into all of the physical and soccer specific preparation is, you know, working your mind out and, you know, your parents will be happy if you do a little bit of thinking over the summer too, I'm sure. So on this menu of activities that um, Julianne will link to in her show notes, um, there are strategies to improve relaxation techniques, to build confidence, to practice some mental skills, and also kind of create what I call like an authentic training environment where it really is that realistic, a little bit more game-like environment where we practice like we're in the ocean a little bit more than maybe in the pool. And so one of my favorites of the many ideas that I share on that is some progressive muscle relaxation. I know Julianne and I have talked that she uses this in a counseling setting, and then I use it in a sports setting. So again, it's that idea that we can learn 
learn something through soccer that benefits other parts of our lives. Um, progressive muscle relaxation involves a series of muscle tension and relaxation movements that move progressively through muscle groups and body parts. It might be what I have to share is like a, a 10 to 15 minute video, but I also have a resource if you want to just make your own audio and your own script. You might put your favorite relaxing music in the background, although I'm feeling like some beachy sounds might feel good this time of year. So you can use the video, you could use the script and kind of move yourself through this process where you're connecting your brain and your body together as part of the relaxation process. And so that if after some time that you practice this and get into the routine and the hang of it, the idea is that you can use a small portion of it to help you relax in the moment. So you might do something 10 minutes long the night before or in the car ride on the way to the game. You might even, um, you know, make that part of your away game routine. But even in the moment, if you make that mistake or have that moment of frustration or something just goes really wrong, can you maybe take your fists and tighten them for five seconds? Let that tension out halfway for another five seconds. And then relax them completely and sort of shake them out for the remaining five seconds. So the idea is, can we do something quick in the moment that helps us relax and reset and focus on what's next? That's great, Lynn. And I'll be sure to link all of this in the show notes for everyone. And I should say, I absolutely love progressive muscle relaxation. And there's also something similar called anchoring. That's great as well. And I think you said something in there that is really cool. And I just don't want it to get lost. Once you get really good at some of these mental techniques, you can develop super short versions of them to use in live game situations. You know, so something like squeezing your fist in a certain way, a routine that may take you 10 seconds, no one will even know you're doing it but because you practiced it and mastered it at home it can really help you cope with stressful situations and give you a major advantage on the field and it actually reminds me of something Paige Monahan from Racing Louisville said about dealing with stress in our interview with her and I don't want to spoil the episode because it is so good and I want people to listen to it but I'll just say Paige found a great way to turn some powerful and comforting advice into a tool she can use to calm herself in a split second after making a mistake on the field. So building on that, I think my daughter Elizabeth has a question for you. Elizabeth, do you want to come over here and ask? I've been working really hard on my penalty kicks, but still sometimes I have trouble and I hit the post a lot. Why are they so hard? And do you have any advice for how I can get better? Well, Elizabeth, that's a great question, and you're certainly not alone. Um, in fact, this is totally fresh for us in that my under-14 team just lost in eight rounds of penalty kicks last weekend, so we, we know how it feels. Um, I think the idea is to try to go in prepared and to have a routine, and I like the expression that um, luck favors the prepared. So if we can do our part to be prepared and ready, hopefully we'll get lucky, but there's no denying that there's a little bit of luck to this experience. To answer your question about what makes it so hard, in the backyard or at practice, you can sink them every time. Why is it so hard when we get into a game? Well, a couple of reasons. The first, of course, is that it suddenly feels more important. Whether we're in a, you know, a playoff game, a tournament, a state cup, all of a sudden we have this added importance and that makes us tense up a little bit because the pressure to be successful is that much more. The other piece is it's a pretty isolating experience. You stand at the 50-yard line and you've got to take what could be one of the longest walks in sports down to the penalty mark. So if I could, um, Elizabeth, I'd love to help help you and the listeners um, feel a little readier next time you go in to a penalty kick. So I think one of the first bits of advice I would give is to pick your corner. 
Pick your corner and stick to it and don't waver. So be sure of yourself going in. Also be sure of yourself when you take that walk. Use your very best body language. And we can talk about that in a future um, podcast. But hold your head up high, your chest out, your shoulders back. Walk with some confidence and go out there like you mean to do well. Um, When you get to the penalty mark, you'll have an opportunity to set up the ball. And then often that's when the whistle blows. Please, shooters, remember that when the whistle blows, the time is yours. You have those next few seconds as the shooter. So as that shooter, that's your moment when that's your time. Put the ball down. If you like to count your steps back and that helps you feel comfortable, go ahead and do that part. And then when you back up to the extent you'd like to, now it's time to just take a quick calming breath, center yourself, and then approach the shot with some confidence. So it's very much about being calm and confident at the same time. As far as breathing techniques go, you could do a centering breath where you inhale deeply and exhale more slowly, trying to kind of feel that in your abdomen and in your center, so to speak. Um, Another strategy that I know Julian and I both like from our work is box breathing, which involves inhaling for a few seconds, holding for a few more seconds, exhaling slowly, and then holding once again. And she can link to some resources on that. So take your breath, feel focused, and then take your shot. And hopefully you put it in the back of the net. But if you don't, jog back and hang your head high because um, we've all been in those moments and anyone who succeeds in athletics knows you have to overcome those setbacks to um, to be successful in the long run. So I hope that helps in the next moment you find yourself on the penalty mark. Yeah, I think that's great. Make a decision about where you want to place the ball. Approach your shot with positive body language and the confidence you'll score. Take your time and don't allow yourself to get rushed. Take a deep breath to calm yourself. Follow a routine if you have one. And as Lynn mentioned, there are techniques like, you know, box breathing, and anchoring you can do to help yourself stay calm and we'll put all of that all these tips in the show notes we will also definitely have Lynn back to talk about some of these techniques in more detail very soon and you can always email me any questions if you might have them at jdeeds at shedreamsandgoals.com and I will do my absolute best to support you and we can reach out to Lynn as well Um, but for now Lynn I could go on talking to you about this stuff for hours but I think this is a good place to pause so I just want to say that this has been absolutely amazing amazing and I want to thank you so much for your time and I really can't wait to have you back. My pleasure. Thank you for having me and I look forward to joining you again. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember, if you like what you heard, please follow us, which you can do by visiting shedreamsandgoals.com. Follow us on Instagram at shedreamsandgoals. And most importantly, share our podcast with family, friends, and teammates. And until next time, keep playing and keep dreaming. This podcast was prepared by duly authorized members of She Dreams and Goals, LLC. She Dreams and Goals, LLC does not accept liability for any opinions or information of any kind expressed by its guests and hereby makes clear that those opinions do not represent the opinions and or recommendations of She Dreams and Goals, LLC or its members. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any form of professional advice. Listeners of this podcast should conduct their own extensive research before making any decisions in connection with topics discussed in this podcast. She Dreams and Goals LLC is committed to providing content that is safe and appropriate for all ages. However, legal guardians are ultimately responsible for supervising access by any minor under their care to content produced by She Dreams and Goals LLC. She Dreams and Goals LLC does not make any warranty or representation as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. To the fullest extent permitted by law, She Dreams and Goals LLC shall not incur any liability in connection with this podcast. 
This podcast may not be copied, published, reproduced, or redistributed in whole or part without the written permission of a duly authorized member of She Dreams and Goals, LLC. For further information, please visit www.shedreamsandgoals.com.